Shirt Show. All right, let's go. Shirt Show! Talking Shirt! Shirt Show! Talking Shirt! Shirt Show! Talking Shirt! Shirt Show! Episode 24 of Shirt Show. We're talking with Kevin from Stoked On Printing in Las Vegas. Let's go! What up? What's hey. up, sir? How you guys doing? Oh, we're doing. We're fighting. <laughs> Dylan, I, I just figured out um, he's not a very good listener. You know, I I thought for a while that I thought he was. He had me tricked, but yeah, he doesn't listen to me. I feel like I feel like Andy has a picture of me in his office that he just bitches at all day long, <laughs> and then he expects me to know in real life what I what he was talking about. Yeah. It's well, I don't. Like a but, cardboard cutout or something yeah. like that. And he just it's full of fucking knife holes and darts and shit. <laughs> I don't, but I'm getting one now, so yeah, makes sense. Just get my good side. How are you, Kevin? <laughs> I'm good, man. How are you? Really good. It's uh, today. I did not print any t-shirts. Do you guys usually print on Sundays? We don't, but I did yesterday. At least I, I said I did. Dylan seems to think it was fake. but It's all Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you, are you at the shop right now? I am. Yeah, I just have all my stuff set up here and it's just easier. We're, we're actually, my fiance and I are actually uh, finishing up building a house. So we're actually staying with her parents. So it's a little chaotic. So. It would have been cool. You could have sat down, had her parents next to you. Yeah, yeah, brought exactly. Them in on the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Three dogs running around yeah. barking at whoever knows what. But it's yeah, not bad. so. Where's your, where's your new house going to be? Um, so it's like, I don't know how familiar you guys with are with Las Vegas, but it's actually like, I'm moving out to like the edge of the desert. So it's kind of nice. Um, for a long time I've been li- living in like more like the central city. Um, but I'm just like going out, going out into yeah. the desert. So. The only thing I know about that area, and this is probably horribly wrong. It's just from movies where it's like nothing but like empty desert. And then all of a sudden there's a city. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. So we're Seriously? like literally that's really how it is. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like we're literally like right in the middle of uh, nothing. Like the closest city, like real city, you know, like is, I don't know, a couple hours away yeah. each way. So, um, but yeah, so it, it literally is. And, and like, like I said, we're like to the most South, um, we're moving to the most South end. And then past that is like, um, it's like BLM land. So it's like federal land. So, so that's like, where all the bodies are buried. Exactly. Yeah. That, right. yeah, yeah. You don't go out there. That's where all the, yeah. cause all the coyotes, you know, they, yeah, if, they, yeah. if they do pop up, the coyotes get them. Yeah. So. I, uh, I like Googled where your shop was actually located and you're like right next to the strip, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're really close. So like, That's um, crazy. if you guys have ever been here, um, we're like right directly South of the, the airport. Um, so like, if if you're familiar with the area, but like, yeah, so like the airport's like kind of like in the center of the city and then to the West is the strip. Like it is on technically Las Vegas Boulevard for a little bit of it. Um, and then, yeah, we're like right behind it. Um, so like to like the Mandalay Bay or like MGM well, that's what I That's what I saw was like Mandalay Bay was like right there. And I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, crazy. Yeah. And, and Las Vegas is a really easy city to commute. So, I mean, really anything is within like 20, to 30 minutes like 30 minutes is the longest um yeah. but yeah it's super easy but yeah we're we're literally right there 
So you have uh, this new house you're building. Is there a spare bedroom? Because, and would it be cool if I moved in there? Because I'm really um, yeah. in love with the desert. So. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it, it's, uh, we have like a nice little downstairs, downstairs, like junior suite, I guess. So you get your in own the bathroom. Basement? No, no, God, no, no. Our <laughs> ground is like way too hard. So like, if you want to get a pool or a basement or something, it is like unbelievably expensive oh, just okay. because you have to go through like legitimate, like rock, but, um, but no, it's, you know, it's on the first level. We'll be on the second level. So we won't even like bother <laughs> each other. You know, you have your own Perfect. space. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're building for Stoke. Do you guys own that or do you like rent it out? Um, for, oh yeah. So all of our, all of ours are currently leased. Yeah. So as far as like our buildings go, yeah. um, we're hoping like our leases end, um, like in 2022. So we're hoping like to start the process maybe in like April to look at, um, purchasing, like if it works mm-hmm. out, like if it, if it pencils out, um, if not, we'll probably just like lease again. And then, uh, do uh like at the end of that lease probably buy it's just like really weird right now there's a lot of like california companies who are who are leaving california to to move here right so it's like the you would think with covid and and uh things like that there wouldn't be um there'd be a ton of like space that you could just buy like on the cheap but it's actually kind of the reverse we have like the lowest occupancy rate that we've seen in a while um and especially in like that 20 to 50,000 square feet and then once you get above that, then you're looking at like, um, like more storage space. So there's no power. Right. So like with, as we all know, we need like gas and power. Um, so once you get up into those, it's like 200 amps, you know, because it's mostly for like Amazon or somebody like that mm-hmm. to do fulfillment out of. So you said, uh, you said leases plural, you have more than one space. Like, do you have an offsite we storage do. or something like that or? Um, we actually just moved, we're moving all of our, uh, like all of our fulfillment and all of our direct garment stuff, um, to a separate, like 10,000 or it's like 9,000 square feet, uh, warehouse. So we're going to keep screen printing and embroidery together, um, at our current facility. And then we're moving all of that over to, uh, it's just down the road. It's like maybe 10 minute drive. So it's not too crazy, but that stuff kind of runs, uh, separately from like screen print and embroidery. So it's not, a it's not gonna be too, too difficult to manage. So. No, is like the property, like is retail like super expensive out there because of how close you are to the city or is it not um, too bad? It's not too bad. And, and we're technically more in an industrial part. Um, like right next door to us is the, uh, the UPS hub. So Dude, that's it's like, awesome. yeah. So that's really nice. I mean, it's been weird with COVID. They essentially have like changed up how their hours are but before covid it was great because we could drop stuff off at like 6 30 or like 7 do you get stuff super early because you're close to ups yeah like they drop off like first thing yep exactly like they like literally pull out of their gate and then they like do like a big u-turn and then like pull into ours i would love i would love that so much i feel like so much so much of the time we're waiting on something or like I have to drive like a half hour, 45 minutes to the hub. If like we have, we printing something that has to go out that day and the UPS driver already came. So to just be able to like walk it across the street would be amazing. So do you get only, um, so on your UPS deliveries, is it just yeah. UPS or do you get a separate courier service sometimes? Um, it's mostly, it's almost always UPS. Like they'll yeah. have like, they'll do like box trucks sometimes. Um, but, or they'll just do like, um, it just depends on the time of the year, but we'll either get like one or two deliveries a day. Um, and then we have another, like, I'm not exactly sure how 
I, I think it's only on the West Coast, but the, it's a, there's a service called OnTrack that like Samar and Alpha Broder, they ship on, on theirs. So we get that a little bit later, but um, UPS is almost always like UPS drivers. Is what your, is, is, what your is yours, Andy? Because you were talking about you have a courier service. What is that for? So remember when we talked to Chris from SNS and he said something about yeah. a cap of how many boxes can go out? Right. So that's maybe in some territory or some locations that's that doesn't happen. But here anyway, because I think most of what we receive ships out of Chicago or maybe Kansas City. Um, what happens is we get our UPS truck, which probably has, I don't know, 60 to 80 percent of, of our boxes. And then we get something called Speedy and it's just another truck, you know, that I guess what happens, you know, is SNS hits their you know, their max. And so then they have to call the courier service, hmm. you know, with UPS. Yeah, I don't have that. I, don't, I either have UPS or FedEx and I feel like SNS now is like switching back and forth between UPS and FedEx of like which rates cheaper or something. So I feel like on different days I'm getting either truck. Right. Yeah. Well, so that's a bummer because we get our UPS at 10 o'clock, let's say, and speedy, yeah. speedy can come anytime. Yeah. Well, like FedEx, I've had it before, not recently, but I have FedEx, I guess is like, um, they're like contractors mostly, aren't they? Like they have to bid on routes. It's not like you work yeah. for UPS and you're like that driver. It's like some dude in just day clothes, like in a FedEx truck. And it's just like, we've had it before where he was just like straight up, like, I just didn't feel like driving today or I didn't feel like stopping at your place. So I'll drop it off tomorrow. And it's like, dude, I need that shit. Like today, like, what are you I think they're like, they have like a mix of both. I think they actually have like their own trucks. And then, like you said, there's like privately owned and operated trucks that they like yeah. buy. Yeah. Like you said, they buy the route. And I think, um, I think UPS odd. has a new thing too, which is funny. Cause like the other day, our UPS driver was here picking up at like five o'clock and there was a guy, like an older dude. He was probably like 75 years old getting out of like an old, like Chevy trailblazer or something, some like rusty SUV. And I was like, who is this guy? And he's like, oh, it's, we have these like extra delivery guys now because we're so busy that they just like hire people that have a car, like a pizza delivery guy kind of thing where they're just <laughs> like, take out like, you know, 10 packages and deliver them and we'll pay you. But he's like, I asked the guy and he's like, yeah, they can kind of do it at their own pace. And I, I was like, that's really weird because he's like, yeah, his day started at like 1 p.m. So he's going to be out delivering boxes till like 10 o'clock at night. And I'm like, this guy's not wearing a UPS outfit at all. Like, so you're telling me fucking old man Phil is going to walk up to my house at like 9 PM with a box. And I'm going to not think it's a bomb. Like, <laughs> what? Yeah. like how, how does he not at least have a vest that says UPS on it? Like, yeah, exactly. Like get him. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, uh, I was checking out your website and it said that on your history, it said you started in a spare bedroom. So was that, was that just, was that a home office thing or were you printing shirts in your, in the spare, in that bedroom? No, we were, yeah, we were printing. Um, so we actually started when I was, um, when my partner and I were like 16 around there. Um, and it's, you know, a very similar story to like a lot of people. We were in a band and we were like, Hey, we were actually, we, we did a tour, um, in California and we like bought some shirts off of Buddy. And we were like, hey, uh, you know, we're going to be picking them up. And he's like, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah, Like, you guys can just stay at my house, you know, while you're here. Like, and we're like, all right, perfect. And we show up and we're like, hey, where are the shirts? And he's like, oh, I just got to print them. And we're like, 
like you're gonna print them here he's like yeah yeah no worries and like so he just prints them really poorly uh (laughs) truly like he was literally like last minute kind of thing um and we're like dude if this guy can do it like we should be able you know we just paid him money for these things like they're not very good um and so we're like let's just try to like figure this out you know my partner shane he was like let's just try to figure this out i was like all right let's give it a shot so he bought like um like a like a ryan at silver press you know um and i bought the flash unit so that was like kind of like our like first investment into the business. yeah yeah we were like all right you, you know i'll buy the flash unit and we had the flash unit honestly till for like up until like two or three years ago we were using it but anyways um yeah so then we just set up like it was just like a tabletop press it was like a four color two station but it what didn't like carousel right so it was like like static arms um and we just set it up on like just like a uh movable table or whatever like one of those wood like tables why would that work i've never even heard of that i can't figure out why would that work if you can't if you can't index your pallets what's the point so you would have two people i guess well the the thing was what we did because we did we also didn't have a dryer so what we did is we printed on one pallet and cured on the other pallet with the uh flash unit so um it was definitely not super safe um (laughs) and it like really sucked like after you got like 30 shirts in um but yeah so like that was and then we just like my dad helped us build like an exposure unit with like big halogen bulbs so it's just like that classic story of like you know washing stuff out but we were like 16 or 17 at the time um so we weren't weren't really doing any many orders for like anybody else it was just for us so we got we had a lot of time just to like figure things out um we had like this one like really DIY punk friend who was like, you do not want to use Plastisol. Like you only use water base. Like Plastisol is ruining the planet. And <laughs> we're like, like, I don't know, like, fair enough. He was like lettuce out of a bag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> and we're like, we had no idea. We didn't know what to do. So we're like, all right, fair enough. You know, whatever. So we did that, um, which was a nightmare because we're in Las Vegas and it was like the middle of June. Um, and then we ended up like, cause this is at my partner Shane's house, his parents' house. And so we ended up washing it out like in his parents' like front yard. Um, so like his parents' like front yard, like their dirt was just like stained for like five years just cause it was just like blue <laughs> and red. And like, we're just like washing stuff out. We're like, oh, it's water-based. It's going to like go away, you know, at some point. Um, but yeah, no, it was, uh, it was rough. Yeah. I, I, I definitely wouldn't have done it again, like starting that way. But, uh, it's just like this, I don't know. It's it's a similar thing that we all do, right? Like we don't know what we don't know until right. We get Try going a bunch it. of shit out. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Before, so yeah. So we're at, we're actually burning out of that. Before I had a when I was out of the garage. Before I had a washout, like an actual booth, I would wash out screens, clean screens, and also just rinse screens after I exposed them out on our deck. And I did this all four seasons too so like literally in january or whatever i'd go out there and turn the water on and it was frozen you know so (laughs) you would have to i would have to keep the nozzle like inside we had a sliding door there and i'd try and keep it warm you know warm enough not to freeze yeah right yeah it was a mess what do you think uh what do you think you would have done if you guys didn't get into printing um you know, it's hard to say, um, because what happened really, so I, I was playing, we were both playing in bands throughout that whole time. Um, and I was in a band that actually like did like somewhat like decent, like we actually got like a re- actual, like, like a, a contract from, um, it was a metal band. So it's not like it would be like, we would have been gigantic, 
Um, but it was with this uh, label called Metal Blade Records. Um, mm-hmm. So we actually got, you know, an actual signed contract from them. So what I did was um, right after I graduated, um, we like essentially just like went on tour. Like we went on tour and like recorded and like wrote a wrote an album. Um, and then I was in like, probably like, I think I was somewhere in Tennessee and I was just like burnt out. And I was like, I just can't do this anymore. Um, and Shane the whole time, uh, was actually just, he just continued to print. And then every time I came home from tour, I'd help out, you know, but I wasn't like super involved. Um, and then I was like somewhere in Tennessee and I was like, dude, like, I just can't tour anymore. I'm just like sick of like living in this van with these four other dudes. Just just too much van farts. It's way too many van farts. And it was like in the middle (laughs) of winter too. So we're like living, like we did, we did a run of like 70 days straight and like 45 days of those was on the East coast in the winter. And so we're just like living in snow and I was just like miserable and like getting, like getting a cold then getting like, well, and then like getting another cold. Um, and so, uh, anyways, so I was, I called Shane, um, somewhere in Tennessee. I was like, dude, I'm done. Like, let's just like, I'm going to come back um, after this run and like, let's just like hit it hard. And he was actually, uh, during his day job, he was doing like, uh, building, uh, sets for like trade shows here. So, um, his dad was like a stagehand kind of guy, like pretty high up in that union. So he kind of got like grandfathered in to like building sets. So he'd probably still be doing that. Um, for me, like, I don't know, maybe I would have went to college or something. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I was never really good in school. So it was, it was hard to say me, like, be selling like real estate. I don't know. But at that uh, point when you said, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to come off the road and let's do this. Let's go all in on screen printing. Was he, were you still out of that bedroom? Um, no. So we, he, he actually had like built up a little bit of business. Um, and I say he, because I didn't have any like part in like that from what, from right. going from that spare bedroom to the, we, he upgraded to the garage, you know, so he, he upgraded to the garage. He got like a, um, I don't know, like a 1991, like Riley Hopkins, four color six station. Um, with joystick. No. So this one had just, yeah, just the, still the regular, um, you know, just like two knobs, you know, it wasn't fantastic. And like two of the heads had like micros that were like, it felt like they were welded, like (laughs) welded on because you could not move them. Like we could not grease them up enough to actually move them. So we just never even used them. Um, and then he got like a little, uh, Harco, like Brown to like a Harco, like little dryer like a bear dryer, which was sick because we had been like, you know, carrying on a pallet. So to actually like Mm. put it on something, I was like, all right, cool. This is great. Um, so I got back and I was like, dude, he's set up. Like, we're like, we're good to go. Mm. You know, like let's, um, let's like, let's get like a shop, you know, eventually like, let's try to get like, let's try to get like a little bit more business. Um, Mm -hmm. and then like, let's, let's try to get like a little shop or something. So did you, did you have that role in the band where like you were kind of felt motivated to be the guy to like promote stuff or figure stuff out? I feel like a lot of the guys that, um, that start shops from a band were always that guy who was like the one promoting shows or the one like in charge of the band management or stuff like that. Did you have any hand in that or? Um, no, not really. So Shane, uh, my partner, he, he was, he was that dude for sure. Like he was, he was booking the tours and, and for a little bit, he was actually booking tours for like other bands. Um, so I kind of like help him out like a couple times with that. But, um, in our band, I was the bass player. So I was like the lowest on the totem pole. Like mm-hmm. I was like, 
Well, that's, what, that's what's funny you know, is because like, like load out. <laughs> that's what's funny because so. that's what I was going to ask because it was my my role too was bass and I feel like the bassists always feel like they have to make up for the fact that they're not doing much in the band to yeah. be like oh well I'll like help us get shows or I'll like do the art for the flyers or I'll do this or do that or whatever and it's kind of like I feel like those are the guys who usually end up being like oh I learned a bunch about band merch now I'm going to get out and I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. Um, my, our guitarist, Robbie, he kind of was like more the business guy. I guess I was more of like the intermediary. Like I kind of was like the guy who kind of went in between the band members and like chilled them out. You know, like right. when one <laughs> guy was like, dude, he's like, I'm so sick of him. Like he'd be like, Kevin, what do you think? I'm like, Hey, I think you guys should just like work it out because we literally sleep inches from each other. So I think we should just kind of get over this and like drive yeah. to the next show. Um, but yeah, no, but my, my partner Shane, he was definitely, and and it's still kind of that way. Like I'm more of the relationship type of person and he's like more of like the data, like integration guy, you know, like, yeah, he's the guy who like gets shit done, you know? Right. What, uh, what's your role now at Stoked? Like what, uh, what are you in charge of, I guess? Yeah. So, um, he's the bass player. So I'm still the bass player. Yeah. I just come in and hang out, you know, like just, uh, just the face, make sure everybody's like doing, doing good. Um, no, I've actually been like the, I'm this, the head sales guy, I guess you can say like technically Mm -hmm. now, um, we're building like more of a like corporate structure. So technically my, my title is like the chief revenue officer. So I'm like kind of building out, um, you know, like looking for opportunities and figuring out like, okay, cool. Like what do we need to do to get here? And then Mm -hmm. working with Shane to like work on a technical side as well as like an equipment side, um, to, you got to figure out all the systems and get them down to where you can hire people and just show them how basically you're not ever, and you're not ever stuck in like day-to-day operations. Um, not on the, not there or whatever. You don't fill that role. No. Yeah. So on production side, no, like I'm definitely, uh, and neither really is Shane anymore. Um, we have a, like we have floor managers in each one of the departments. And then above that we have a director of operations. And then we just hired, um, uh, that similar, like that, I guess like a lateral level, uh, uh, position with even in like customer service. So we're calling it like the customer experience manager, um, or the d- director of customer experience. So like she's coming in and she's like, um, super, like, I'm not the most organized person. So like, I'm the kind of, I, I like, we'll do meetings and be like, okay, like, this is what I want to do. I want to do this, this, and this. And she's like, all right, cool. Like sets up like, like actionable items to like knock out. And then we'll like split mm-hmm. those up as well as like, she's, um, helping like with customer ex- escalations. So like when somebody's like super like upset, she's like helping out, you know, smooth that over. Whereas that was mostly my role for like the last like 10 years. I really like, like that that title that yeah. uh, director of customer experience where where did you find her and what's her background yeah so she's actually our artist's wife um our head artist's wife um and she was working at zappos for like the last eight years so she headed their uh uh their like their studio so they were doing like all their own product shots and all that type of stuff so she was the one who kind of uh built out a lot of those like uh standard operating procedures as well as like building out the team and managing the team and getting things done. Um, so yeah. So, so on top of that, just being in that Zappos culture, she's kind of able to, um, distinguish like, Hey, these were really cool things we did there. And here's some like not so cool things that didn't really work great. 
um, because I don't know how familiar you guys are with Zappos, but um, they're, you know, they're a very experimental company or they were for a long time as far as like, um, you know, like employee and customer engagement, like how, how well uh, people interacted inside the company as well as like how they interacted outside the company uh, to them. So, so how do you, how do you get to that point? I guess like where you're, you know, you and your, your buddy are starting a shop and then you get the shop going and you're like, all right, I need to hire somebody to basically like take over essentially your position. You know what I mean? Cause you're the manager. You're the one telling people what to do to be like, all right, now you're going to do this and I'm going to step back to focus on bigger picture things. Like, do you just take a leap and give somebody like, cause that, even that title has got to be worth a lot. You know, it's not like you're hiring yeah. somebody to do something like that. Like what was your thought process when that happened? I guess. Yeah. I think every shop wants to know that like every every shop needs or wants, if they don't have a director of operations, you know, that can, right. that can, I feel like that's been something like for me is it's like, you know, you, you get to a point where you're just like, man, it'd be really great if I had somebody, not even for that role, but any role, like to be like exactly what you're saying is like, I would love to go after X, Y, and Z customer or whatever, but I would love it if I had somebody that just did nothing but like research and figured out the best way to do all these things. But it's like, how do you hire somebody for that? You're just like, Hey, especially in my area, like I don't have people that usually are have that talent, I guess, without right. bringing them in, you know what I mean? Or being like, Oh, I found somebody in Chicago. I'm going to fly him out here. Yeah. Right. And then I'm going to give them a crazy salary to do this thing. I feel like most of the time it's a risk. It's like, you don't know if it's going to work out until they're here and you see if it's going to happen. And then if it doesn't happen, like, what do you do? You're just like, uh, sorry. Yeah. Um, I mean, like creating contracts is a really good way of doing that, you know? So like, if you put somebody like on a one year contract, you know, you're really only locked into one year. So, um, but to kind of go back, I mean, it's taken a long time. I mean, we've been doing this for 10 years, you know? So, um, for the longest time it was more, it was just like, I'd say the first five years were how do we produce consistently good work? Right. Mm -hmm. Like what, what do we need to do to consistently like push out good stuff and not have to worry about it? Because I think a lot of people, like, they struggle with, like, marketing and they struggle with all those things um, when really I feel like they mostly have, like, a process problem. Like, they have a, an issue with actually creating a good product. Like, if you right. just if you can go out and say, I'm going to produce your 100 shirts perfectly, here's a good price, and you, you could just, like, have the clear conscience of knowing that's going to get done, you can keep doing that. You know, you could just, like, step and repeat, step and repeat. Um, so moving into like getting these higher level people, it's really like, how much do you value your time? You know, like what is your hour worth? Right. So if you, then you decide, okay, like you, and you have to be realistic with yourselves. You have to say like, what value can I bring if I bring this person in to take over this stuff? You know, right. because you can't just be like, you can't just be like, I'm going to hire somebody. And then when you hire that person, you're just in your desk, like at your desk, with your feet up being like, I'm not going to do shit now. Exactly. Like, yeah. 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 And and at a certain point, maybe some people like that. My partner and I were very uh, slightly paranoid all the time that we're like going to get found out that we're not that good or something like, so we're always <laughs> trying to work on like, okay, how do we be better? Like every day and like, what's a new thing we could bring in that keeps us alive, you know, and it keeps right. us moving and it keeps us uh, up to date with the times. Um, so with that, there's a cap of how much energy you can expend every day, right? So like, what's that 
what's what's more important like is there is your energy better spent you know answering emails all day like putting out fires all those things and and at a certain point it is it is the most important thing because you can't afford um that role but at a certain point you have to determine like if you want to go to that next level um or take that next step you have to take that leap um to let that go and generally every time we've taken that step like whether it be a floor manager or like the director of operations like it gets done so much better than i would have done it you know because that person's like primary focus, like with this director of customer experience, their primary focus is like, how do we make the best experience for our customer? Like I have that, I maybe have that vision like 20% of the time, the other Mm -hmm. like 20% is like, okay, like uh, we got to, we got to focus on payables and receivables. And the other 20% is, um, you know, this person doesn't like this person in the screen room. Like we need to like sort that thing out and randomly uh, putting out fires. Yeah. The, and um, then also like, how do we stay alive? You know, how do we keep staying alive? Like that's a huge, uh, I think as business owners and especially in the screen printing world, it's like a huge, a lot of our energy gets taken up with like, how do we not die? You know, mm-hmm. because that's where we need to like stay alive the longest amount of time because that's when opportunities come in. But, and I, yeah. I feel like, I feel like exactly like what you just said is like super important to me because I'm constantly like, you know, manager and business owner and, you know, trying to put out fires all day. But like, I constantly am like researching stuff about printing or processes or this and that. And like, I literally have like folders on my phone. I have folders on my desktop of like all these like things I want to try or do like marketing wise or, you know, design wise or all this other stuff. But it's like, I really wish I could just hire somebody to be like, Hey, here's this whole thing that I have, like go, figure it out and research it and implement it into this business. Because I personally just don't have the time to do those things. And that's when it's like, I'll grab one here and there. I'll be like, all right, I'm going to do this thing now. And then I do it and implement it. And it's like, all right, cool. I feel good about it. But I feel like we could get to such another level if I was just like, had somebody just figuring that shit out all day long. That, that director of operations, did you promote from within or did you, did you put an ad out somewhere on LinkedIn or something like that to find them to, to you know, seeking uh, director of operations or how did that work? Yeah. So she actually just started a couple weeks ago. Um, we had one pre COVID like for six or seven months. It was like a, a an industry veteran person. Um, they just been around for the longest amount of time. Right. Um, and he came in and he, he brought in some good ideas. However, it wasn't like the ideas that we needed, you know? So he came in and he was like, Hey, like, have you tried tra- trying this white ink or this and that? And we're like, dude, like I have not had an order where somebody said like this white ink's bad in a really long <laughs> time, you know? So like the white ink's not the problem right now. Like I have a yeah. problem like receiving in boxes, you know, like if 300 boxes show up, we have a problem like with the logistics of like counting in all those boxes and like getting the workflow. And like, we have like, we're, we're okay. Like at getting packages of stuff to the, to the press, but we're not like fantastic, you know? Like, so what we did is we actually went completely outside the industry. Um, once again, she worked at Zappos, um, and she's like logistically minded. Like she's like six Sigma, like, and what that's the type of we we Shane and I kind of came to the conclusion like we don't have a problem with printing like we have really talented printers we have really talented floor managers who know how to do all those things really well 
However, like they're not logistically minded, you know, they're technically minded. So like we should bring in somebody from like completely outside. She has no idea. Like she called ink paint, you know, and we're like, (laughs) all right, first of all, it's not paint. So like, but you know, like, but she's like super positive. She's a really awesome person. And she thinks about things in a completely different way because I think we all kind of get into a, uh, like a, uh, like a, like a circle of thinking of yeah. how things need to be done, you know? So it's kind of nice to have this fresh eyes on the, on is, the, on the matter. Exactly. Is Zappos headquartered in Vegas or something? They are. Yeah. So, <laughs> and they just, uh, they just like kind of fired the CEO. So a lot of people, and then they like gave a lot of people severance. So they're, there's like a ton of like really, really talented people who are just kind of like, all right, looking for their new op- next opportunity, you know? So do you get a bunch of work from just being in Vegas, like for the events that happen there? Um, not really. Yeah. We, we don't really focus too much on like the Las Vegas market. We do like, we do some casino stuff. Um, we do that, but we're mostly shipping out like nationally. We do a lot of work like outside of Las Vegas. Right. What kind of work is that? Are you like a certain percentage of contract and a certain percentage of direct to customer? Or? Yeah, we're about like 50 50, um, like as far as like revenue goes. Yeah. Um, but more like, I mean, obviously that translates to like 70% of our production is contract. So, um, but yeah, so we deal with a lot of promotional product distributors, um, like nationally. So, yeah. I watched, uh, a thing you did with Bella Canvas where you were talking about how the one thing you wish you did was got a shop management software sooner. Yeah. Uh, tell, tell me a little bit about your process and getting that. Yeah. So we had for like the first three to four years, like a homegrown, like, like Excel type of like situation, you know, where we're like, we built it all out in Google. So like we had like a Google forms and like doing QuickBooks for the accounting and it was just like, not good. Um, and then we moved over to, then we made the jump into Shopworks. Um, and that was cool. Like, I think Shopworks is great. Like, I think as far as like a shop management tool, um, it's really good. It's just built on FileMaker. And the guys who created it are not very uh, concerned about building onto it, right? Like, they're, it's just kind of like a thing that they built that works. It's consistent. And they don't really care to, like, push things forward. And they're mm-hmm. also limited by FileMaker, like what FileMaker does. Um, so earlier this year, we actually switched over to a, a company called Impress. So we've been we've been doing that, and it's been an experience. But it's it's generally positive. It's uh, it's allowing us to open up a lot of doors that we couldn't wish with Shopworks. Right, and that's it's kind of laughable because that's my problem, and I feel like we're I feel like we're super efficient. And we definitely get things done. And I feel like this company basically runs itself. Like I don't need need to be here. Everybody even who's here, like if they're gone, like things still kind of happen and do exactly what they're supposed to do. But I don't generally have like a purchased shop management software. I do it like, and me and like even Bruce, we've had this conversation or Inksoft, they, they try to get me to use their stuff. And I'm like, what I have works. Yeah. But it's not like, you know, like I had a conversation with Bruce about his software and he was just like, well, tell me what you're doing now. And I was like, all right, well, when a customer pays, like I write it down and then I hand that paper at the end of the day to like the person who does the schedule or whatever. And he's like, oh my God. And I'm like, yeah, I understand that's not like the most efficient. And like, you probably have something where you can click this and it automatically adds everything to the schedule and does all this. But like, 
my brain of like, when you start a company that you don't know jack shit about business, you don't know jack shit about anything, you find something that works. It's just like, okay, cool. I'm going to do that from now on. Like this works, move on, do something else. What's your, Dylan, real quick. What's your evolution of um, scheduling? Like from day one, your very first order to now. Dude, it's literally, literally the same thing. (laughs) <laughs> the same exact yes. thing. Is it, it's yes. just like a whiteboard what? or something? Or no, no. Do? Like we I don't use, think he even does that. No, I don't use a whiteboard. No. Okay, so what so was we, your... Go we, ahead. Used, we use basically Google for almost everything. And then we use FreshBooks for invoicing and bookkeeping, all that stuff. So like my accountant has the login for FreshBooks so they can see like everything we're doing and the money coming in and all that other stuff. And then our scheduling is all on... Uh, Google Calendar, and then we just like change colors for things like if it's counted in or if it's, you know, films are done or not films anymore, but uh, you know what I mean? Like if that stuff's done and then when it, the job's done, it's grayed out and we keep going. Like we're not doing it by the hour. We're just like, okay, I know this press can do this many jobs. This press can do this many jobs and so on. But it's just kind of like doing that and the the way it goes from sales to art room to screens and out to the production floor. Like it just works the way that we do it. And it's not like super archaic, but it's like, as far as me getting payments and stuff, it's like, yeah, I'm fucking writing it on a piece of paper. But for me, <laughs> it's like incredible that you've been able to scale from the, I mean, that means you right. being at the beginning pretty good. Kevin, what's your, what's the evolution for, from you started in the bedroom to now, like what is, how is that? How is it? As far as, as far as scheduling? Yeah, scheduling. Cause I think that's one of the hardest things that, that for us anyway, as we, as we scaled and grew from one order a day to, you know, what we are now, like how that worked. So what, yeah. what, was, your, what, how, what was your evolution? So when we had that homegrown solution, it was, it was very similar to like kind of what Dylan was, was saying. Um, once we got into shop, once we get into ShopWorks, like once you see the benefit of like having an all inclusive system as far as, um, like when you put in a sales order, it drives so much of the functionality, right? Like, so it will then say like your artists will have their own calendar of things to do. And then your production has their own calendar of things to do um, and sales, you know, sales reps. And then, and now we've gone even further with Impress um, where there's tons of automation that we do just by the sales order entry, just because you want to be able to, to have like a lot of the data is very similar, right? So like if you could put all that data in at the beginning and have um, workflows uh, move that data to the people who need it is the is the most efficient way. So with ShopWorks, it has a really good scheduling tool. Um, and you can schedule it. We, we generally schedule down to like within 15 minutes. So we allow like a little bit of, um, and it's always fine tuning, right? It's, it's just, okay, well, like this worked today, like, okay, like, cool, then we're good. And then two months from now, it's like, we're falling behind. So then it, it creates like, uh, like alarms to say like, well, like what's happening? Oh, that press is like double hitting things or like that press, uh, is ripping screens. Well, why are they ripping screens? Oh, because like the flood bar is nicked or like, there's just like all those things that just sets off alarm bells that we can then like go in deeper because, generally what happens like when a schedule is not being hit, it's not just because people aren't trying. It's like, there's five levels of things that are like happening, you know, or like the screens sure. aren't getting done in time. Um, so then now with impressed, it's pretty complicated 
um, but we have a full-time scheduler. So he just, that's like his job is to create the schedule and to like update the schedule. And then he goes out. And then, so generally at the beginning of every day, each press and every station, like, so whether it's DTG or, uh, you know, embroidery or laser or screen print, they have a full list of like what they need to get done. And then, so they just knock it out, you know, and then we could kind of, um, determine at the end of the day, we, we sign off on those papers and see where we ended up. So I've never heard of impress. Is that industry specific? Is that a screen printing industry uh, software or is that something else? It is. Yeah. So, um, they've been around for a while. Um, they had a really not great looking like interface, but they were purchased by a company called open systems who, own a bunch of like industry specific, like they have one for like the cannabis industry and the auto industry. And they just like have very niche products. Um, and then they have like a, a like a, their own accounting software. And so what happens is like open systems bought them and they now have, it's called like impress global. So um, the reason we moved to that is it's based, it's built like on SQL, like uh, so on like on a SQL uh, language. So we're able to now like build apps into it like, so for instance, we just had their, their art approval uh, system was not very good. Like customers weren't super happy. Our artists, like we're going to quit if they had to keep using it. So we're like, all right, well, this sucks. Like, so we talked with our artists. We're like, what does a good art approval system look like? Um, and he's like, well, what, you know, Shopworks had, you know, Shopworks has a pretty decent um, proofing system. And so we're like, all right, cool. We'll just build that. So we went and we built our own art approval system. So that's awesome. And then, so you and can we, add your own systems to it. Yeah. You don't have to rely on what they have. Yeah, because what we're doing is we're just like, um, so it's it's technically like an ERP, right? So like with an ERP, you have like a like, but just think of it as like the center system, like the sun, I guess you could say, and then you could just build apps off of it, and that sun is just feeding the data out, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just feeding the data out, and then you could push data back in. So then what we're doing is we're, we're having the artists and they like type in the, the sales order number. And so then they'll type in the sales order number into this proof uh, proofing system. And then it pulls in all that data into it and like the who to email and all that stuff. They upload the artwork, they send it and it sends out to the customer. And like, if they approve it, it's, we shoot it back into impress saying, Hey, this is approved now. Like we're good to go. Is that so why it, you chose Impress is because you could build on the back end, you know, you, the whatever you could kind of customize it. I mean, is that the reason? Cause there's a lot of options, right? And so why yeah. Impress? Yep. You know? That's, that's the reason. Yeah. So um, it's not cloud-based. So like you have to be like on our network to do it. So that's kind of like a down downside versus like something like Printabo where you can access it on your phone or anything like that. Um, and it's pretty expensive. Like it's a, there's a pretty big, price tag on it, but it's like one of those things where, um, you know, it also has a really good warehouse management system, you know, so like tracking inventory, tracking, um, all of these things, uh, it allows it like, so eventually like our workflow for like inventory is going to look like this, like we're going to place a box onto a shelf and we're going to scan that shelf and the barcode on the box so that the system knows, okay, that box is in that shelf. And then when we take that box off the shelf, we're going to scan that onto a cart. So then we can track that cart. Like we know where it's at Um, because I don't know about you guys, but we lose boxes. Like boxes just like seem to like, like, like sprout legs and like walk out of the building. And we're like, where did that box go? And everybody's like, 
I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. And so it's like, I don't think anybody's stealing them, but I just think like maybe it got shipped or like, maybe it's like, I don't know. You know, so we, we have that yeah. issue. Um, it just happens. See, I feel like boxes coming in and out so much. I feel like everything you described, it makes a total sense for your shop. Like it makes sense because especially with contract, like you want to make sure you're getting as many jobs done efficiently a day as you can. And you're trying to dial things in like super, you know, intense. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that, that makes a ton of sense just for, for what you're trying to do. But for me, I think it's like the scary thing for me and it's probably something I just need to get over and do is the fact of like, we've been doing some, everybody here knows exactly how things run and to just be like me to make the decision to be like, Oh, all right, we're going to use this new software now. And then everybody has to like relearn how to do everything in a new software. Like to me, that's the scariest thing is to just be like, all right, let's figure this new thing out. And then half of them are like, why the fuck are we switching? And yeah. then the other half are like, all right, we'll figure it out. And then shit just starts getting messed up and jobs aren't going out on time and like all this other stuff, because I get that there's like a growing period and like a transition period to it, but I'm just like so busy with stuff and I'm like, uh, maybe later, maybe later. And like I said, people like Bruce or, you know, Inksoft or stuff, they're always like, all right, let's schedule like a, like an onboarding thing, or we'll show you how to use this. And I'm just like, call me in two months. Cause I think I might have time <laughs> to do it then. You know what I mean? And then yeah. two months goes by and I get that phone call of like, are you ready yet? And I'm like, just give me two more months. Yeah. Well, Dylan, if you hold out long enough, maybe the, like the nostalgia will come back in, in <laughs> like on trend. Right. You know what I mean? Well, like, that's the thing. That's what's going to happen is people are going to be like, Oh uh, yeah, I was using this huge, like super expensive software, but I figured out that only pure geniuses use loose leaf paper <laughs> to write it all down. Like I no mean, joke. I can around. show you right now. No joke. This is the end of Friday. Like, I don't know if you can see this. No, it's too right. These are payments on a fucking orange sticky note from the end of Friday that I will fill this and I will hand it to Chris and be like, add these to the schedule. Like, <laughs> that's my fucking system. Yeah. Well, but I mean, if it works, you know, like that's, right, what I, that's like, the problem is that it works and like we're yeah. efficient and like we do great work my, I, and stuff goes out. And it's just like, I don't know, like, it, should I buy into these you know, obviously these companies that want you to buy their monthly subscription service to do these things, like they have stuff to gain by being like, Oh, come to us, come to us. And it's like, there's nothing broken. It's one of those, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it things. But I'm like, in my back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, but probably one of those systems is going to help me out here and like make me more efficient at this or make it to where I don't have to do it. You know what I mean? Like somebody else's, the system is doing it. Yeah. Um, I think, um, I think you just have to think about like what happens if you're not there or like what right. happens if you're not there for like two weeks, like, let's just say you get sick or you break your hip or I don't know what it, whatever whoa, happens to whoa. people, you know, like, I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm going to yeah, fucking Bruce, break my Bruce hip is tomorrow. Gonna, Bruce is going to come, come by with like a lead pipe and just like take your knees out. Um, no, surprised. it's just like, it's those ideas. Like we're not so reliant on individuals, right? right. Like we no, want the sense. system to like run and like, as far as you were saying with like the people aspect, um, it's just like conveying to them the why of this is going to be beneficial for them. Right. Like right. you like talk to your people and like, what don't you like about your job? Right. Like that's like a, <laughs> that's a real question, right? You yeah. have to ask. It's like, what don't you like about it? Okay, cool. Like let's try to fix that, you know? And there's mm -hmm. always going to be problems, right? Like we just had a big meeting on, um, 
like impress is coming out the end of this month. And we had like an hour meeting on Thursday with like the heads of every, like everybody who uses impress, like, uh, in a functional way. Um, we're like, what don't you like? Like, we're going to go through this with them because there's, uh, it's, it's a big change, but also there's things that just are not working as they should. So we're like, all right, what don't you like about this? You know, and it was an hour and we got really honest feedback and really good feedback about how to make it better for everybody, you know? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that you're always going to make everyone happy. You know, no, I don't think so like either. You said your artist was like, oh, if we don't get a new proofing system, you know, we're going to quit or whatever. I think that there's probably, uh, we've changed, when we changed from Trello to Monday, for example, um, about 90% were on board and liked it. And it was painful transition for a few weeks for sure. But there's still probably one, maybe, yeah. maybe two that, that don't, that wish that we were on Trello still. They just like the function for them anyway. And what they used it for, it just functioned better. But now they have to, you know, because the greater good for the, you know, the greater amount of people we switched to Monday, they're kind of stuck not liking yeah. it, not liking it as much. So I don't know. It's really tough for everybody to, it's kind of like ordering pizza, you know, somebody's not going to yeah. like it. Yeah, well, and it's, or not and like all, the topping or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're never going to make everybody happy. Never and made it, everybody. It's, yeah. And it's mostly just, um, you know, finding something that just, it, it's all about like, does it make it better for the customer? Like right. if it doesn't, then we're not going to do it. But a lot of these features are like making it way better for our customers to like interact with us. So it's uh, a worthy thing to like try to, try to fix, you know? And and I think, to, I think, to, I think for you though, it's super important to figure out where that box goblin is that keeps taking your boxes. I like would if agree. You're if yeah. you're losing shit, then that fucking, <laughs> that system is worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, and they pop up, <laughs> they'll pop up like, you know, just be like, how the hell did that box get there? And anyways, yeah, it's just, yeah. um, it's exactly. all. Do you, uh, do you nerd out on that kind of stuff? Like systems and like trying to make things more automated or efficient or I do. do yeah. Of- yeah, I do. And, and once again, my partner, Shane, I probably wouldn't be, we probably wouldn't be on impress or Shopworks without Shane. You know, he's the, he's the guy who's like, we're jumping in. And we're going to fix, we're going to figure out what's wrong after we jump in, you know, right. like we're, we're going to, we're going to kind of get it moving. Um, which is awesome because I'm probably the exact opposite. Like I'll probably, I overanalyze things like to the death and like, I just won't do things because I'm like, well, because of this and this and this and this. And then he's just like, no, shut up, just do this. You know? So mm-hmm. like we have like a very good, like, re- like relationship in that aspect, like where we just have strengths that, I can come to him and be like, Hey, I'm thinking about like, we should try this workflow. And he's like, Oh crap. Yeah. That's a good idea. And like, he'll do the same, like he'll do a workflow and it'll just be like, I'll be like, that's a really awesome idea, you know? Mm -hmm. So this is a good segue, Andy, for your goat thing. Uh, It's a donkey Dylan, (laughs) 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 but yeah, we can, it can be a goat or a donkey. Oh I'm just going to sit back and let you do this. Um, I think that was what you're talking about is like how to make, how you're tr- like making a decision. Like if you're un- indecisive or if you're trying to decide or if you've got a lot of things to do and you, you, you're, you know, you're, I guess you're just scared to make a choice that was, goes back to this. I was reading this book about this donkey and uh, so <laughs> a goat, <laughs> so pretend, pretend there's this goat, right? And he's in on the left, there's some hay and on the right, there's water. And so they don't know, um, hay, water, hay or water, and they can't decide. So they end up dying of starvation and thirst, you know, instead of just 
just taking one, not realizing that, hey, we, I have patience and I can look to the future. I can go get a drink of water and then go eat some hay. You know, I could do both. And, yeah. it does, and so I guess the point, uh, what Dylan was saying is like, just do one of them. Do something anyway, you know, instead of... Like dive in and then you'll figure it out kind of thing. Yep. Like don't just be like, I can't decide, I can't decide, and then don't do anything at all. Totally. Yeah. I mean, analysis paralysis is a, a, a real thing. Like my girlfriend, like, or she's my fiance. I, I, you guys should cut that out. But yeah, my fiance. We're going to edit it inside piece. I still call my, I call my wife, my girlfriend sometimes. Right. Yeah. To her. Yeah. It's, it's been, it's been five years, you know, so it's like, you know, it's like just a second nature, but you know, she like, jo- she makes a joke about it all the time because like, we were getting into there's this there was a shop uh, in town that th- makes like they mix cereal with like uh, ice cream so it's like a it's like a cereal milkshake and it's great and I was uh, I was like man we should just like start doing this at home and she was like yeah she's like yeah you know we have a blender and I was like yeah we'll have to get that set up one day and she was like what are you talking about like and I was like. I was like, oh yeah, it's already set up. You just have to put the shit in it and then just, and it works, you know? But like, that's how like my mind works sometimes where I like, I'll have, I think like there's like five steps to get something done or something, you know, like, and it's just the- Let me lay out the plan. Just getting it done. Execute yeah. execute it and- Yep, yeah. exactly. And then execution just never happens. So, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's, I think it's the same thing going back to the goat where I can totally just get stuck sometimes. Like he said, right, goat. do we like do goat, <laughs> goat, the goat donkey? It was a I like goat better. It was a mixed pack. It was a mixed pack. There was goat and donkeys there, but the, uh, <laughs> yeah, like I, I could totally see that, that that's a, like a, a perfect parable to, um, being like a business owner because you have to kind of like make decisions all the time, like every day, you know, like, okay, this is what we're doing, you know? Okay. Back to the goat thing. What is with goats and their pupils? Aren't, isn't that fucking terrifying how they're like horizontal and not like circles? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Notice. No, I've never even noticed. Google goat eyes. It's terrifying. (laughs) Goat (laughs) pupils are rectangles. They're like width. (laughs) They're wide. It's fucking creepy as shit. Maybe it's goat eyes. Maybe they can see at night or something. I don't know what it is. It's terrifying. (laughs) Okay, whatever. I'm sorry. Well, yeah. Um, What, uh, what, what like skills, I guess, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit, but like what skills do you offer the business and what, like, what are you not good at? I guess is the more important question (laughs) to like, well, I mean, that's just, that's a real question. Like there's things I know I am fucking terrible at that. Like, Chris or, you know, Brian or somebody here picks up the slack for me because, and it's not like I'm trying to do that thing. I have just acknowledged, like, don't, don't bring that to me because I'm terrible with it. Yeah. That's actually, that's a real thing. Hire. It's like, uh, what is it? Hire people that, um, for stuff that you're not good at. I mean, so that, you know, you're right actually. so. So that's my question is like, what is it that you're not good at and that you've come to terms with and you've hired somebody to take that over? Yeah. Um, so once again, I'm not like the most like organized person or like the most execution based person. Um, so I definitely, that's the person like why I hired like the director of customer experience is like, she's an executor. Like she gets shit done. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Shane's a very similar way. He's a, he's a get shit done, which I think you have to have like, um, like the innovator and then the implementer. Right. So I'm more of like on the innovator side, I guess you can say, so I'm constantly talking to customers. Like I have like my superpower is like uh customer relationships, you know, like and sales. 
Yeah. Like that. Yeah. So it's just like, as far as like, like selling and just being passionate about like knowing what I'm, what I'm good at and not, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, like I've definitely drive the customer relationships. I drive like the marketing and all those types of things. Um, and then I let Shane kind of like help kind of plug the, uh, put the pieces together, you know? So like, as far as, um, this was probably, this is probably a good example. So like three years ago, I ran into a guy, um, at an Alpha Broder event and he was talking to me about print on demand. And so this was like, not very many people were talking about it. They weren't really doing it. And I was just like, huh, print on demand. Right. And then, so then I took that information and I came back and I was like, just doing a bunch of research and doing a bunch of different things. And I was like, this is something we could be really good at. Like this, this could be the the next move past screen printing. Um, you know, so what I did was then from there on out, I was, I was getting customer like feedback, you know, like, is this something you'd be interested in? Um, as people came in, I would like, all right, this person came in and they were talking about print on demand. So like, if I hear something over like five to 10 times, I know there's something there. Um, and then I took that to Shane and I was like, Hey, this is what we need to do. Like we need to get some DTGs in, uh, figure that out first. And then we need to look at this like tech side of things. How, how do we connect into an e-commerce store? Um, and then from there, um, we like, I started building all these web apps and like doing all these things. And then I kind of got like the UI and the functionality of everything completed. And I handed that off to Shane and then he kind of took that and put that into a, uh, uh, like he, in execution mode, as far as like on a day-to-day basis, like how orders are going to get out the door. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I would say like my superpower is more like the relationships and like the innovator side. And then I definitely, my, uh, my like non-superpower was, is probably like execution. Yeah. So. I feel like I'm very similar with that. It's like, I have the ideas and I'm very good at talking to people and getting them like to work with us and all that other stuff. But like the actual, like doing of certain of those things, like I hand off to everybody else. Cause like, it's the one thing that people kind of know now that like, if they want an order from this fucking company, like don't <laughs> talk to me. <laughs> like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, like go to Sarah or go to Chris or go to whoever. It's like, just don't email me because if you email me, I'll be like, yeah, cool. I'll get to you. And then like a week later, I'm like, Hey man, sorry, I've been super busy. I'll get to you. And it just yep. like keeps going. And it's like, even family members are just like, all right, I know to go to Sarah or whatever. It's just like, Oh yeah. My mom knows to go to like uh, our CSR (laughs) team and she'll like CC me on it. But she, you know, like, it's like, all right, Hey Ashley, can you get this done? You know? Yeah. Um, Because it'll just like sit in my inbox for like a couple days and then, but yeah, exactly. Um, Um, I got one. So we have a ghostwriter now that um, ever since our last episode, and he uh, has a question for us, or for you, I should say. Um, and that is, we noticed your shop is incredibly clean. And we wanted to know if that, is that, if is that Photoshopped? And if not, what are some good habits you have developed to keep everything free of ink, free of debris, free of lint and that kind of stuff? Um, yeah, so it's, it, it's, uh, it's not Photoshopped. Um, <laughs> uh, it's Illustrator. You guys, is my is my uh, <laughs> you're frozen. My video stuck. Stuck. All right. It, it's frozen. Yeah. Are you just really good? You're like one of those people that can talk with their mouth shut. You couldn't tell if he was just like. <laughs> at first, I thought he was just like listening intently to my question. But then, yeah, all of a sudden, he started gonna talking. Ch- I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna change the camera. 
so it's gonna look a bit. All right, yep. sorry. Oh, all right, cool. Look at that. All right, so no, no, yes. So <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, so it's not photoshopped. Um, what we do, and I love to take credit, but it's it's more so our team. Um, we clean constantly, so like we clean like daily, you know. And it's not like a big deal. It's more so like you drop ink clean it up at the end of the, like, if you can't get to it right then, like maybe clean it up at the end of the day. Um, and it's generally like a five to 10 minute. And then like once every couple weeks, uh, we'll do like a deep clean where we'll just like sweep off, like at the end of Friday, like take 30 minutes, um, just sweep off all the lint and all that stuff, because it's not, it's, it's, a, it's more so like saying like that, why it's, it makes people happier to work in that place. Like, like, you know, like that's their zone. You know, so it's like, hey, take care of your stuff as well as it becomes like a, a hazard. You know, like having lint everywhere is a super crazy fire hazard, you know. So um, making sure to clean that up because like if there's like a spark or something and it it's going to all go, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it, it's more so just like a little bit of cleaning, like all the time. Yeah, I feel like that's the same for us. Like the reason why we try to keep the shop so clean is like. I try to hammer home all the time, like the importance of quality. And like, if something's going wrong on press or something doesn't look right, like they know to stop and like, let's figure it out and like make sure quality is number one. I feel like you can't push quality if your shop's dirty and fucking gross as shit. Like everything needs to be clean and organized and like where it needs to be. It's like, it's like you can tell the difference, like going to a car mechanic where there's that guy who they all have like, snap on tools on the wall that they like fucking super take care of and everything's super clean. And like, you can tell people want to work there and be there versus the place where there's just like shit everywhere. And there's like, you know, it's just gross. And the guys come out and they're just like dirty and covered and everything. It's like, yeah, you, you want to go to the other place. Like, it's just Yeah. It and I think, um, you know, just even following you guys on your guys' Instagram, I think you guys uh, both have a very clean shop too. And I think it just goes to show like when you, you guys probably notice it's like when you have customers like walking in, you know, like there is that air of like, yeah, like the mechanic story where they just completely notice because especially if they are uh, like a, a customer who's been like getting shirts and stuff for a really long time, they probably have horror stories of like, I walked in and like, I left with like two ink stains and I like ruined my mm-hmm. jeans or something, you know, like, cause like they just swiped like a corner, like the wrong way, you know? Um, but yeah, yeah, I think it's, I think it's super important, um, to just have like a, a clean organized space just for like mental health reasons too. You remember, you remember the anal retentive carpenter from SNL? You remember that skit? No. So it's this guy and he's a carpenter and he like, let's say he saws this piece of wood and some sawdust comes down and gets on the, the ground or whatever. Well, he sweeps it up and then puts it in like its own bag and then seals it and tapes <laughs> it. He, like he's a, he's just an anal retentive carpenter. So it's like the anal right. retentive screen printer, you know, like mm-hmm. we're, I think we're, we're sort of the same way. Like we clean as we go every, you know, every time you see something or if you're walking by, let's say somebody missed it and it's on the ground, there's some ink or something, we clean it. Um, if you're carding, if you're putting ink into the screen and you drop it below the press, you clean it right then. You, we don't wait till later. We get it right then. And then just like you said, you know, every, there's a deep cleaning then every couple of weeks there's a deep cleaning and well, it's hard to schedule it. Uh, because what happens if you have, you know, a really, 
uh, busy schedule that day. So we'll, we'll find a spot that we know, okay, well, it's going to have to be soon and we'll find the spot and we'll take an hour. Usually at the yeah. beginning of the day or the end of the day and we'll take an hour and we'll, and we'll clean. I mean, realistically uh, too, as, as owners, like we can say this, but like I tell every employee that like new employee that's on press or whatever, I'm like, this press costs as much as your house. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes, it's true. Could you please fucking take care of it for me? Like, put grease in it when it's supposed to. Uh, we don't like, wipe all have gauntlet threes, Dylan. So maybe the press doesn't <laughs> quite cost as much. I'm as just that, saying, but. like, <laughs> fucking take care yeah. of this thing. It's not like I bought this press for like 35 bucks mm-hmm. and like w- whatever happens, happens. Like, take care of the fucking thing. And like you said, Kevin, we have, yeah. so our shop is wide open. If you come in the front door here and you go to our front counter to place an order, you can see the back, you know, you can see the production. I wanted that. I wanted it's kind of like the restaurants you go to and you can see the kitchen. So you come in here and you can see the back and, you know, a lot of times, not so much now because of COVID, but we still do. We give a tour and we'll say, Hey, come check it out. You know, we'll, and also like, it's all, it's a perfect thing. Every once in a while we run right up to that deadline and a customer will come in and I'm like, Hey, I'm here for my shirts and we're not, and they're not done yet. I'll come up and I'll say, hey, come here, we're, we're printing them now, come check it out. And then we'll, we'll take them back there and they can see their shirts actually being printed. And then you and do like five misprints in a row. <laughs> they're like, wait, that's not the right red. And you're like, guys, cut it. <laughs> yeah, it's never, it's never yeah. backfired on us. It's actually, it usually no, that's a always fantastic works idea. out. And I they, really like I, that idea. I've had yeah. people pop on like Facebook Live and say, oh my gosh, you know, they're printing our shirts right now, check it out. And so- no, That's an awesome, yeah, it, it makes it a- uh, like a, what we call like an unwow moment of like not having it done to like, yeah, we save it. it's like, Hey, we, you know, we wanted you guys to see this, you know, <laughs> they're like, wow, right. that's so thoughtful. You know, but, I mean, but, if, yeah, if, if we have this idea. dirty shop and there's just shit everywhere, well then that's embarrassing. And then you end up not saving it. They're like, Oh, I'm never coming back here or whatever. So, so yeah, exactly. it's always, it's always clean. So we give tours. Um, we try to as much as possible because I want people to see that, you know, everything in action, like we've got actually, we do screen print in the back and, you know, it's not something that, we make up or whatever. We don't job it out. We do that right here. Come check it out. So yeah, so yeah, yeah. And we want it to be clean. And the one thing that kind of, like I said, is kind of like unspoken, but it, it, like for us as owners too, it's, it's always like puts a smile on our face when you see a customer come in and they just start immediately pull their phone out and start taking pictures. Like, you know, like yeah. ink walls and stuff. They're like, Oh my God, it's so cool. And like all this stuff, but it's like stuff we see every day that we take for granted. And you're just like, like, Oh, cool. It's like, we've had people come in here that do like news stories or something on us and they'll, they'll send a photographer and the photographer's taking pictures of stuff that you're like, that's the most boring thing in the shop. Like, why are you taking a picture of that? <laughs> yeah. You lose that. <laughs> and they're energy. just yeah. like, like the, the last time somebody was here, they, they kept wanting to take pictures of the flash turning on. And I was like, <laughs> no, like don't, that's not the cool part. Like the, over here, like this is the cool part. I think it's funny now that we all run our social medias or I'm assuming you guys do. Um, yeah. But, you know, or at least take pictures sometimes for your social media that, and I'm so used to knowing what to get pictures of or whatever, or if I get pictures of this or videos of this too often, I'm like, I just can't even, you know, like who cares about that anymore? I'm like, I'm so over getting a video of that. But then somebody like you just said, comes in to get a video for their brand or whatever it's going to be. And they start, they go to that right, that obvious, super obvious touristy thing that you're like, ah, no, don't get, don't take that picture. Come over here. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Oh, it's funny. Like there, there was a customer that in my eyes was like, you know, high profile. And I was kind of like, like they run a really good social media thing and they have a big podcast and all this stuff. And, you know, you get talking to them about it. And they, one of the things he said to me was just kind of like, you know, it's really cool 
that you show the process and you show like all this stuff and you show like how a shirt was made. And in, in my eyes of doing it so long, you get jaded to your, you're like, I don't think people want to see that anymore. You're like, I don't think they want to see this step or whatever. And he was just like, Oh, I love that you show like that step. And I'm just like, that's the stuff I don't want to fucking post anymore. Like, I don't want to post like this one color white shirt getting printed or whatever. And he's just like, I love that stuff. And I'm just like, God damn it. <laughs> we, we just did a, we just did one where it was just this, the, our computer to screen, like printing onto the screen, like nothing. It was just, mm-hmm. that was the only video. Um, and it got like the most engagement we've had in like four months. Yeah. And I'm like, I've had, I have, I've had one day. exactly like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've had one exactly like that where I basically took the, uh, I had like a, like a tripod with a cell phone, you know, the stretchy one or whatever that holds the phone on the tripod. Well, I just like screwed that to the rafters above the eye image and I put like the phone in there and I just did like a time lapse and I did like a 12 color print, like every f- frame or whatever. That's, that's up there with like one of the highest viewed videos of like, just like, you know doing every screen and it was just like that's it it was like this is how we make that's a good idea yeah yeah on friday i posted one where i literally just pushed record and spun in a 360 in our in our screen room and then when i posted it it actually glitched and it went like skip 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 skip. i was like (laughs) whatever and i just let it go and it has this it has crazy i got all these messages and everything and i just it took one minute or less (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's funny. <laughs> the video I, was, I work on for two hours, then it's like, whatever. Yeah. yeah people, people don't forget about it. Yeah. They <laughs> yeah. don't care. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, there was something like when I was, uh, looking up stuff for this episode that I realized is we've done all these episodes so far. And one thing we never talk about is apparel. Like we never talk about blanks. We always talk about inks. We talk about presses. We talk about fucking systems. We don't ever talk about the actual apparel we print on. Um, so I wanted to ask you guys, like, what are your go-tos or what, like, are your favorite blanks to print on right now? Because I know, like, through the years, we've always had, like, different ones. Like, oh, I really like this one now. I like the fit. I like this. I like this. But where, what are your kind of, like, top go-tos or things that aren't the normal thing that you're like, oh, I really love this, but not a lot of people know about it? Yeah, um, I'd say the one we sell the most is probably the the next level 6210. Um, and that's personally my favorite shirt. I I like wearing that shirt the most just because I think it like, it holds its body really well. Um, and it's super easy to print on. Um, like everything looks really good on it. Um, you know, something that's been a lot more popular, um, is like the AS color stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just being, do you sell a lot of that? They're closer to you though, aren't they? Yeah. They're just a one day ship from us. Um, we do, yeah. they're just like a, a little bit higher of a price point and sometimes their stock is just like not there. I feel like but, they have um, super nice stuff, but my problem is I, I have to order it direct from them and it's a, oh, it's, it's a, it's a five day ship. Yeah. That's that. You can't yeah, do that. that sucks. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, no. Exactly. Yeah. So they, uh, yeah, they have awesome stuff like, and they're really good. Um, it's not necessarily like my body type. I think it's like really narrow, like it's a really narrow fit. Um, yeah. so I really like that. Um, you know, I think the 3001, I think Bella Canvas from like a color perspective is like the best uh, option. I think like they're super on point with their colors. Um, but I, they, they rarely have stock in the colors that are like new colors. Yeah, that's the beef I have with it where it's like, <laughs> God, like, I really we love have, that. We have, yeah, they're like that ice cream store that has like, we have 335 flavors, but we never have 320 in stock. 
Yes, That's exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like why so. would you? Why do you guys keep doing this? Because like, yeah, like that brick color, for instance, right when it came out, I was like, mm-hmm. I love this shirt. Like, I want to do like you know, I want to do like shop shirts with this, and it was just like not there. No, I like reached out yep. to him like, when are you guys gonna get? It? Like, oh, we don't know. You know, because the problem well, is so they, like they came out. They came out with that black Heather shirt. And yeah. like, as soon as they came out with it, it was gone for like so long because everybody bought it. Yeah. So, um, that, and then I don't know about you guys, but I'm really bad with, um, like long sleeves. Like I, I don't really know like what's the best long sleeve, um, mm-hmm. or like women's shirt, like, like, a, like a, like the go-to lady shirt. Like, I feel like I have pretty good, like, I think the flowy tanks are good. Um, but like for an actual woman's shirt, like, I feel like I never get that exactly right but Mm -hmm. i feel like for us there's like two brands we try to sell the most of and it's bella uh mostly because bella i feel safest with with the fact that they don't they don't over dye or re-dye or whatever um and we sell so many 3001 cvcs like just 50 50 bella t's like all day long. Like I, we, we had this discussion in the sales office the other day about how like we rarely sell a Gilden anymore. It's like almost always Bella's or next levels. Um, so yeah, a lot of Bella, a lot of next level and then, uh, independent basically for like everything. Oh, I fleece. love independent. Yeah. I know. Their like fleece any, is unbelievable. Yeah. And we, we sell so much independent. Yeah. Um, so, and again with that, like for me, the biggest thing is just like knowing, that it's consistent, like colors are consistent and fits are consistent and sewing isn't like somebody buys an extra large today. If they buy an extra large in two months, it's going to fit the same as when they bought it. You know what I mean? I feel like for the longest time with American apparel, people are like, I love American apparel. And they, they, every time they buy a shirt, it's like, it fits differently. It would always be different. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It was always different. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, surprise, we sell, we do a lot of Gildan still. Like we do, um, just for like, like some promos as well as like print on demand, like yep. Gildan is like, it's surprising. I thought it was going to be way more 3001, but people really love that price point, you know? Um, and well, so, yeah. yeah, so we sell a lot of Gildan on the print on demand side. Yeah. Schools, um, they don't want Bella canvas at all. So they want something bigger, baggier, thicker. So, well, you know, like you said, Gildan is, is just that, you know, so um, whenever yeah. we do school stuff, they're, they're never getting built. Um, I do like, I do like their hammer tee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. We like Have you guys one. seen that, that next level 1800 yet? Mm-hmm. Have you guys gotten your hands on that? It's like a 5.5, 5.5 ounce. Um, it's like supposed to be a little bit more of a heavier weight, but it's like a 20 mm-hmm. singles. So I just don't know how good it prints yet but yeah like i said the reason why we picked the bella stuff is because we're doing it like i said it really depends on the job and we're switching in different inks like if we're doing discharge or water base or plastisol or whatever and it's just nice knowing that if you're going to do a discharge print it's going to look the same for all the shirts it's not like a lot of times it's scary when we use a next level because it's like okay small medium and xl and 2x look the same but all the larges are like gray instead of white and it's because they you know, were dyed black because they were purple beforehand. Right. Well, that for me is the main reason why we like Bella over the other one. But but yeah, that was just, I know I, there's, there's certain things that like we like and 
different hats and stuff like that, that we gravitate towards. But it's just funny. Cause like I said, we had this discussion the other day that there's like two brands we sell so much of when there's yeah. like thousands of options. It's like, we just do these two for some reason. Well, Kevin, we're sponsored by Inksoft, if you didn't know that. And I don't know if uh, Impress has uh, online store capabilities. If they don't, well, then you need to check out Inksoft. But um, we have a question from Inksoft. And sure. um, it goes like this. So although I might have to adjust it because it's <laughs> here it goes. What advice would you give your 25-year-old self? But I have a feeling you're just not that much past 25. And so I'm going to change that to 20 year old self. So what advice would you give your 20 year old uh, self? Um, I probably would have like worked on contracting things out versus trying to do everything myself. Like, I think I would have tried to maybe leverage some other shops capabilities versus just like always thinking I had to do, like I had to get that piece of equipment to do that type of work. You know, like I think I would have maybe built, uh, maybe not expanded to like a huge press right away that like really limited our space in the shop and maybe kept like a little bit smaller of a press and then found like a really good contract shop that could have done that stuff. Um, also that's, that's my 20 year old self when we were always, when we were like almost all retail and you know, then we evolved into a contract shop. So you can't really contract out contract. Um, <laughs> So like, I think that, um, and then, geez, I probably would say the higher good help earlier. Like, I think, I think that, like, I think I would say just to make sure that I'm really hiring, um, really competent people as fast as I could. I feel like that's one thing. I don't know if we've talked about this before, but like shop owners, like all three of us, basically you get to a certain point where you're like, what would happen if, you know, the shop burned to the ground tonight? Like, what would I do? Would I change anything or would I keep everything the same? And I really don't know exactly what I would do, but sometimes when I'm having a rough day, I think of like, if the shop burned down tomorrow, I would 100% just like build a badass office in my house and I would just farm like keep doing upstate, but I would just, but this thing is, is you've been in it. We've been in the industry for so long now that like, we know the shops who are badass at every aspect. You know what I mean? Like this totally. guy's really good at printing this, this guy's amazing embroiderer or so on, you know, all the things. So I feel like we have so many relationships now. I could just literally be like, all right, well, I'm farming all my printing to this guy, this guy, and this guy. And then I'm going to send the embroidery here, get good, you know, pricing set up and then just like work at home in my underwear all day. I have no that employees sounds, to bitch That sounds me. nice or whatever, but I think you'd miss it. You know, you'd miss oh, the I 100%. I 100% would miss it. But I'm just saying, like, you think about that and you're like, think of all the shit I wouldn't have to do. Like, I wouldn't have employees yelling at me if, you know, they were having <laughs> a bad day. I wouldn't have all these other things. I could just like, I just think about when I first started the company or when I first started the first company that I literally had my computer monitor and my workstation here and I had a swivel chair and then I would just like swivel the other way and play call of duty at four in the morning. And then I would just spin back around, answer an email while the, like it was loading out or going into the next match. And then I would spin back and play again. I was like, I could do that now. You know, I, I wonder <laughs> that in my thirties. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how many, uh, printers 
went, you know, back to, to, to being contractors and how many contractors have gone to being printers? Because, you know, it's like you said, oh, I could, I could get rid of, you know, I won't have to all the headaches of employees. I won't have the I don't think I would. I really don't think I could let it go. But what I'm saying is you go back to, you go to being contractor, right? Well, I wonder how many contractors have said, you know, man, I'm just going to be my own printer because I'm tired of not getting shitty stuff in. I'm tired of missing deadlines or whatever. I'm going to, I'm just got to buy a press and do it myself. It's the grass is greener. Yep. Well, for everybody, it's, and I think honestly, we are on the easier side. Like, I think it would be much easier for us to go over. Like, so one thing we did like three or four years ago is we pushed more to direct to consumer or like, you know, direct to the end customer. Um, and I think that's a much easier transition than we had one of like, we had a really big promotional product company um, as a customer. And, you know, he was like, all right, I'm going to start my own thing because like, I have to be, you know, the producer, like people want me to be the end, cons- like the, you know, they want to know they're getting it from the source. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. Like, you know, and he like wanted to buy us and like, it just was not a cultural fit or anything like that. Um, and so we're like, dude, like the best of luck to you, you know, and from all, everything I hear, it's not going very good, you know? And I think it just is like kind of hanging in there. Uh, whereas like you have to kind of focus on your core competencies a little bit, you know? And like, I think having production is like such a, like a, uh, like a leveraged position because we can take like rush jobs, you know, and we know that we can get that stuff done. Whereas like, if you're focusing yeah. on other people's production schedules and like all those things, um, you might not be able to like really come through for a customer that when you need to. That goes back to, you know, doing what you're good at and then having some yeah. people do what you, you know, what you're not good at. And so if you're, if you're a good contractor, you know, you're, you're not in production. You don't understand like just what cleaning screens means or exposing a screen or emulsions or all this kind of stuff. And now all of a sudden you're going to go spend time on that, you know? And yep. so I've had like a, I've had that similar situation here. I've had a brand even that was, we were, we were doing their printing and they said, you know, we're going to bring this in house and we're going to do it on our own. I'm like, Oh, really? Have you ever done it yet? Because have you ever screen printed a shirt before? You know, like it's, it, there's all of this, learning to do when you could be focusing on your brand, you could be focusing on marketing your brand and and growing your brand. And now all of a sudden you're going to spend probably most of your time trying to print it, trying to figure out how to get it printed, you know? Yeah. So maybe it'll slow your growth down. Who knows? I mean, yeah, you'll bring it in house, but it could be. I think so. Yeah. I I think if you start as a printer, um, you know, it, you can, you can expand, like you could hire people to do that other side, right? Like that, um, getting that direct to consumer. Whereas like, I think it's really hard for brands or like, yeah, like contractors to, unless they are purchasing a full on shop, you know, I've Existing seen that be successful. Shop, you mean? Yeah. Just like they're buying, like they just say like, here's millions of dollars to a shop. Like we want you to continue running it, right. do your thing. Like we're not going to touch it. I've seen that be successful. Um, but starting something from the ground up, I think it's just like you said, you're just going to, you're going to miss so many opportunities on your core business because you're so focused on like selling to on printing what you've already sold instead of work, working on like that next sell. But 100%. Yep. What's a, what's a current bottleneck that you guys are facing? Um, space. Um, it, it's, it's really just being so limited. Like, uh, like we just got into that, uh, that new warehouse, like in the middle of last month, because what happened was, um, obviously with COVID. So when COVID hit, like our screen print embroidery, like went through the floor, like it just like disappeared from like Friday to Monday, just like a lot of everybody else. Um, but then what picked up was print on demand. 
So what we did was, is we took a lot of this inventory space for that we were using for like screen print embroidery. And we've switched all that over to like our print on demand inventory. And so, uh, which was fine until like July, uh, our screen print embroidery came back almost to where it was last year. And so then we had like no space to put it. So now mm-hmm. like we're, we're having really big problems with like getting things received in on time and like the quality of receiving those in because there's not a lot of space. And then like once that happens, like, so like right now it's really just packaging everything together and organizing it so that it could just get to the press. Um, because when it gets to the press, it runs fine. You know, it's right. just some, some of those times where it's like orders are getting delayed when we already had the blinks in house and it's just like a bad look, you know? So that that's probably a big bottleneck is just trying to organize in the space we had without having to expand. And then we're just like, there's no way we have to, we have to get more space. So, yeah. What about you, Andy? What do you have? What's on your mind as a bottleneck right now? Hmm. I thought you, were you weren't expecting me question. to answer you a question. <laughs> um, bottleneck. I think that um, our our biggest bottleneck probably now is embroidery because it's their this is their season, you know. So people are are putting in they're placing lots of orders right now for Christmas and. And I didn't, um, I probably underestimated because of COVID, I underestimated that volume. And so um, that was part of what happened on Saturday. We were printing, I was here printing. We just ran one press on Saturday, but then I had people here in embroidery and they were running embroidery machines, you know, because when on like on a Saturday, we're locked up, it's just production. They can get so much done, you know, production, just those machines never, it's hardly turned off, you know, so. So yeah, our biggest bottleneck has got to be embroidery. And it's very, very hard right now to find somebody to run an embroidery machine. I don't know, here in, in, where we are anyway. And it's too late to train anybody. So, right. so that's a bottleneck. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we, uh, we kind of, I don't know, it's, it's hard to say, but uh, there was a shop in town who did a almost exclusively contract for custom ink. And that work just like, once again, went through the floor. And the guy was kind of getting older. So he was just like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make it through this. Like, I don't care to like really try to rebuild it back up because custom ink said like, Hey, we're going to just, we're going to fill our own capacity first. And if there's anything left over, we'll give it to you. And he had like a hundred employees, like shop. It was a big shop. Um, so then that shop closed down. So it kind of let, there was like a ton of like really good talented people that we were able to say like, Hey, come over here. Cause the same thing with you, like our embroidery, we have um, like 26 heads and we're running six days a week, two shifts, you know? And it's just cause it's the time of the year, you know, there's so much like hats and beanies and all that type of stuff. But Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't know if I like any, that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing is like with us is it's weird. I've never thought about getting into embroidery at all because literally right across the street from us is a shop that does nothing but embroidery. That's perfect for oh, you. Know, like perfect. That situation yeah. right yeah. there, you would have no reason to ever do Like literally thing. across the street. Like <clears throat> That's perfect. Super small town, like old main street town. And across the street is a lady who just does nothing. Like she has a whole shop worth of employees, but all they do is embroidery. So I just literally, I'm like, Hey, how much is it for to do this? Like, obviously we have a wholesale thing with her. She's like, here it is. I'm like, okay, cool. Here's the box. She brings it back and it's done. And over you should lease her some space in your, in where you, what you got, like bring uh, yeah, her in, bring her into. Well, she's got her own building. She owns right across the street. 
So that's a great setup. Yeah. I know it works out good. I mean, that's what's tricky is we get customers are like, Oh, do you do it in house? And it's like, it's a weird question to answer. I'm like, no, but like, (laughs) I have like a really good relationship with the person and they never believe you. And you're like, yeah, they're right across the street. I'm like, no, seriously. Like I could hold up my phone and show you like they're right across the street. (laughs) Um, Kevin, do you have any questions for us? Jeez. Um, so are you guys, you guys are mostly all retail, right? You guys don't do any, don't do any contract. I don't do any contract. It's all direct to customer. We do about uh 20% contract. Nice. Mm-hmm. Do you uh, see like, what, what do you guys see as far as like the next five years of like the, the landscape? Like, do you see um, yourselves like growing or are you kind of like working on just like maintaining what you have? Um, and also like with the, um, like with digital, like, what do you, what do you see? Like, do you guys see yourselves getting into that or do you kind of think you're going to stick with just like screen printing? Well, for me, we, this past year bought that new G3. So I had full intention of within the next couple of years getting a digital squeegee. Uh, and the reason for that is a, yeah, to keep up with the trends and technology and all that stuff. But the biggest thing is we do a lot of high color count stuff. Like we have a lot of customers. It's like, Oh, it's a 10 color, 12 color, you know, all this other stuff. And then you look into it and the real advantage to it is, is you have like two white screens and then everything's digital. There's no making 12 screens. There's no mixing 12 inks. There's no 12 squeegees, everything that goes along with that. Um, so that was the big reason why we got the gauntlet was to be able to do that. But, um, with us personally this year, I don't know how to say it without sounding like an asshole, but like this year has been a really good year for us. Like it, the only reason why it really slowed down in the beginning is just because I think the world thought everything was ending and it was like, everybody was scared. But as soon as that faded, like we were right back to being busy and, we're slammed right now. And again, we're working on Saturdays and stuff too, and working late every night to kind of keep up with what's happening. But I think the biggest changeover was just so many of our customers getting the idea of doing like online stores and fulfillment and stuff like that. So my bottleneck right now is just trying to like, I I've kind of created a market with my customers to be like, Hey, we could offer you fulfillment in online stores, but I didn't have like a perfect system for that yet. You know what I mean? I didn't have like, how am I going to store everything? Do I print everything up front or do I do it more on demand or what do I do? So like every day I'm like doing half my day in research on that. And then the other half, like just doing normal stuff. So I feel like we're just going to grow with our normal printing stuff. And then we're going to eventually get digital capabilities with on press. And then we're just going to build up fulfillment stuff. So I feel like that's, that's kind of the direction that we're headed. So cool. Very cool. I haven't been convinced that digital is, is faster yet. Um, you know, because you said, Oh, instead of making, I think if you're ever making over eight or nine screens, it's too many screens anyway. Um, we don't have a whole, we have a lot of, I don't know. I don't know how much call, you know, multicolor stuff we have compared to you, Dylan, but it's like this. So I remember when we had the DTG machine and all that pre-press work it took to get it, that color to translate right to press. I mean, I'm sorry, to the DTG machine. You know, sometimes we'd have to tweak it and we'd send it again, tweak it, send it again till we got that red just right or whatever it is. And so 
I would like to have, I would love to, to work with the digital squeegee, for example, just for a week or whatever, for a day and see what it takes to actually see how it works. You know, like, is it faster, really, truly faster? Because right now I can tell you if we have to do an eight color job, we can get to press pretty fast and we can print it pretty fast. And we don't have to spend $300,000 or whatever on a digital squeegee, you know? And so, so is that true? Can you get to press faster, you know, then, and have it work out like the first time? I think the biggest misconception with a lot of people with the digital squeegee isn't necessarily the fact that, you know, it's all the color counts, but it's like I said, it's all the back end of like making all the screens, mixing all the inks, all that stuff for every single job when it's actually cheaper to just make your, you know, your one or two whites and then you're putting the ink on top. And the other thing too, with the difference between doing regular traditional DTG and then doing hybrid is your screen printing the underbase. So you're doing the hardest part of the, the process first anyway you're you're getting something to have great adhesion on the shirt um getting the base on and then all you're doing even now like if we're doing a 12 color print we're using high mesh you know thinner inks to make it be soft on top when the digital squeegee is doing the exact same thing it's just printing thinner inks on top as long as it looks good i think you're gonna yeah. have the same washability same durability like i said i feel like the the difference in with the digital squeegee is getting rid of all the other stuff. It's kind of like when you went from film and all the stuff you had to do before it even got to the screen versus the CTS. So it's kind of the same thing. Like you're skipping a bunch of steps that you would normally have to do to make screens and all that stuff when now you can just hit a button and, you know, it's obviously not that simple to just hit a button and have it print, but the biggest yeah. thing is like I said, I like if you figure out, yeah, yeah. figure it out. And plus like if you're doing a lot of simulated process stuff, like a lot of it is trial and error, like stuff we just talked about with, you know, on our last episode. And it's just kind of like, if you do this huge process print and you don't like it the way it looks, you have to go back, tweak a couple screens, re burn those screens, put them back on press, try it again. Digital squeegee, you could just go on the computer, tweak a couple things and hit print again and it'll go back right back to printing it again. So yeah, we like did, I said, I'm just kind of trying to future-proof the shop a little bit to where I'm yeah. ready for it if I want it. If I decide not to get it, then fuck it, I won't get it. But like now I want to be ready if that's what I want to do. We we did some like a pretty in-depth cost analysis on it. And it's um it's it's a uh, it's more profitable once you pay the machine off. That period, like uh, the period like the cause the capital expenditure so much is like huge right you know like if you're spending 300k on it right like regardless if you're spending that upfront in cash or you're like like most of us like most people i, I guess i shouldn't say us but we lease quite a bit of stuff you know because especially with digital like by the time you're done with it it's probably going to be outdated you're going to want to replace it with something else um but with that it's like once you, as if you're paying it off like that payment per impression can like add up quickly you know but if you right. can pay it off clear and you're still using it um there's a ton of savings you know from like a labor perspective as well as um you know just kind of like uh standardizing it right you don't have to like also like you, what you have to take into account you don't have to mix ink anymore right so like how much money do all of us have like sitting i, I don't know how you guys do it but we do pms matching and like yeah, it's free same. it's all on so the shelf we, we we try to push people right but like we try to push people to 186 but they might want 185 and it's like all right shit they're like let's get 185 out here um so like how much money do like we really have like just sitting on the shelves too right 
Um, yeah, but like can we you don't have get, to worry about anymore. Can you hit 185 with the digital squeegee? You know, so that's a, that's, that's a good question. Yeah. Because that's the issue too. Yeah. What if you can't, and then you drop color, you, you're going to drop, you're going to, you know, like print a spot color just for 185 because they have to have 185 or whatever. I think this would be a good, um, we should have DFW Inc. on the podcast. He just had a digital squeegee installed like, I don't know, last month or something like that. Yeah. And it would be really interesting, I think, because he's so fresh with it. You know, like, what is it like when you first ran we it should on day talk one? To, yeah, who we should talk to is Michelle Moxley. Well, that's true. Yeah. Who does all the R&D at MR. Both, actually. We should have them both on because as a shop owner, you know, like, you you get this press and you get this... I think you got a, I think you got a striker and a, and a digital squeegee. And you get this... That's a huge package, right? That's not just yeah, 300K. That's, that's like... <laughs> Even then some. And so you invest in this. It's two houses. <laughs> That's two houses. <laughs> you know, right. and so when, when is, what's your ROI on that? Is the work that you have, does it make sense? Like, are you always printing these crazy multicolor jobs? And like only, you know, is that your thing? That's uh, what I said. So- it's, it's, it's not necessarily that every shop has to go in this direction. It's just like, does it work for you? Cause realistically it shouldn't replace like a lot of people like to get in a debate of like, like screen printing versus digital. And it's like, it's just another tool in your toolbox. Yeah, it shouldn't just be like, yeah. right. It shouldn't be like, I'm a digital guy and I'm a screen printing guy. It should be like, no, like, and that's the same reason why I said we do plastic and we do water bases because it's just another tool to have to say, your customer comes in it's like hey this is the right tool for your job yep so like yeah. you could have it here like if you have the money to to buy it and you know you're going to have the work for it like it's just another tool to have to be like hey oh you have a fucking 900 color print cool let me throw it on press and print it digitally like it's just another thing to have totally Kevin, I have two. Okay. One is, yeah. is that 25 year old self, what I wanted told myself is I wanted to, to chime in on that. And that yeah. is, I would have just said to slow down because for me anyway, I was in a rush to like grow. I was in a rush to be successful or I was in a rush to get there. And what I realized after I got there or got further along that, that for me anyway, the, some of the fun part is the struggle, you know, some of that, like, you know, dreaming of an auto, those were like awesome days. I'd be in my garage and be printing and be like, this fucking sucks. You know, my hands are killing me or whatever, or I'm so slower. I wish I could go faster. And so like, those were some great days, you know? And so I, I kind of rushed through that just wanting to be, wanting to be further along. And so I wish I would have just slowed down a little bit. Um, and the second thing I have a question for you is, is what do you think of when you hear the word success? Um, kind of a deep one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd say like self, like self-fulfillment, you know, like I think it, uh, I don't know. That is a good question. Um, <laughs> you know, because success, I, I think, I think success, you. I think success just looks like, um, uh, to me at least, um, like the ability to uh, structure my life in a way that I don't have to uh, like, like not getting too consumed by things. Right. And just like having the ability to like pivot and be like, I don't really want to work too much anymore. And I'm not so like tied down and I'm like, God, you know, I, I have to like take this job. Like I have to do this because if I don't, I can't pay that 
you know, that Maserati payment, not to say that I would ever have a Maserati, but like, you know, there's people who think that's <laughs> oh what success looks like, you know, is, is getting the Maserati and like having to like show a bunch, you know, and it's like, I think it's just being happy within myself, you know, like on a day-to-day basis um, and just being able to support, um, you know, a comfortable lifestyle um, and like provide like a future for like, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a family right now, but, you know, eventually one day having a family and just being able to support them and to, uh, uh, not have to like stress so much about like money in a modest sense, you know, like not being crazy, but like just being able to know like, okay, our, our basic, uh, needs are met, you know, on a day-to-day basis. Right. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you could take a guy like, um, I don't know, Steve Jobs and say, well, he was really successful, but if his dream was to be a great bass player and he wasn't, well then was he successful? I mean, maybe, maybe not. So, yeah. Um, I think you're that's cool. what I think of when I think Steve Jobs is his sick ass bass lick. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And, and also to go, and, and also to go back to what you were saying, as far as like uh, slowing down, I think that's like unbelievable good advice. Um, because I think that, um, there is so like the stories that you have are generally the stories of like overcoming struggle. Right. Or like, Oh man, this thing really sucked, but like we got through it. Right. Like we stuck with it we got, we stuck through it. Um, it's not necessarily like, well, I got an auto, you know, it's like, well, it was just like everything that led up to it, you know, is really like a lot of stories. Like I think back, yeah. Like, I mean, like when, when we moved into our first shop, like Shane and I, I was 19 and Shane was, uh, I think 20. And we were still living with our parents. So like we had like this space that was like ours. Like we could do whatever we wanted in this. Like it was like such freedom. Like it, it was like, it was a like having like a business, but it was just like having this like physical space that we can like um, do whatever we wanted in, you know? And like, I think back on those times, like so uh, fondly because one day we're like printing shirts and the next day we're like chugging beers and like having a party at the shop or like, right we're chugging beers while printing shirts. Like we can't do that anymore. Like there's so many like rules now, like mm-hmm. with, uh, with employees, it's like, we can't drink beer and like print shirts, but yeah, it used to be at the end of every you know. day, we'd go back to the dock, throw up in the door, have some beers, smoke cigarettes, yeah. everything, you know, like, and just stand there and bullshit. Now, like you just said, there's rules and it's really tough to pull that kind of stuff off. So. Yeah. Well, back, so. back to your thing too. I can't think, I can't hear anybody say success without thinking of Jonathan. And his shop. And I can't hear anybody say stoked without thinking of your shop. <laughs> like anytime anybody's like, I'm stoked. I'm just like immediately like, I think of your shop. Or somebody <laughs> says success, I think Jonathan. Yep. You know that like, wasn't just, always the name of his shop? What? Success? Jonathan's? Yeah, you know, it was something else. What was it? I have it saved in, 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 his, in his text <laughs> as his contact. Is it something um, about Breaking Bad? Because he was talking about how he always made those Breaking Bad shirts. N- no, it was actually, so it was called, his shop used to be called Jonathan Edwards Press. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say success is, is definitely better. That was a good move. <laughs> That's but, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Do you have like a, like a most inspiring job that you've had over the years that kind of like somewhat changed your business model? Um, so, uh, like in, in the sense like that it kind of changed the trajectory of like where we were at, like, like, to where like we for were us, yeah. For like for us, for example, we never thought that we were going to do stuff for, you know, like big, um, like contractor companies, like guys who build houses or whatever. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but we like super fell into that niche, but now it's like one of our biggest niches. So yeah. do you have something like that that kind of like changed the direction of the way that your company operates or whatever from one customer? Yeah. Um, you know, like how we got into promotional products. I mean, it's not the coolest industry by any means. Um, we were doing like, we were trying to be the band merch guys. Right. But it was just like, we were on a manual and then we like, our first press was like a 1994 tough javelin. And it was just like a nightmare to print stuff. So like, um, this one guy came up and he was like, Hey, I have a promotional product company and I have like 50 orders. Do you guys want it? And we're like, 50 orders like that was like a week's worth of orders for us you know like or two weeks worth of orders and he's like he's just gonna give it to us all right now and we're like oh you know what like this is an interesting idea like we're obviously not making as much money um but we don't have like any customer service like we don't have to go out and sell all these jobs and they are constantly coming in like we can actually like build stability on this like it was no longer like one week we were um you know super slam the next week we're like painting walls just to like do something, you know? And, um, the, uh, so like, I'd say definitely like moving into that contractor space. Like I think going, like, I think it's going to burn, it burns a lot of people out very quickly, but I think it could be very, uh, transformative in the way, like, uh, if you can do it right, you know, like building that, uh, consistent workflow coming into your company, um, that definitely changed it for us. Like without contract, we would not be, Um, we wouldn't be able to afford like the equipment we have or like have the team we have. Like we've had, we have team members from like six years ago. So definitely like that guy coming in and being like, we have 50 orders. It like, we, we, we had no idea what contract printing was at that time, you know, when it comes to contractors, I think it's, um, all about being selective. You know, there's some that you just cannot work with and there's some that is just a good fit. And so finding those that are a good fit for both of you and, and forming this relationship, like a partnership, essentially, um, then it works for both, you know, for both parties, it's a win-win, but there's other contractors. It just doesn't make sense. And there's always worried about the cheapest price and the fastest turnaround. And can you go cheaper than that? You know I mean? It's just like, it's, I don't know, it's finding finding the right ones and being selective and, and figuring out which ones are a good fit for you in your shop. No, I don't want to, I don't want to get you in trouble or anything, but like, do you like doing contract or is the goal to ultimately get enough direct customers to kind of phase the contract out? Um, yeah. So like, I don't think like the long-term strategy is to like, we don't focus a ton of energy in growing our contract business. We just have, um, we've just established ourselves, I guess, in that world that that work just start is like, it comes, you know, like right, we were right. able to build, um, and into what Andy was talking about, like being selective. Um, and the way we are selective is we just charge really high amount of money for people we don't want to work with. And if they're like willing, I feel to like that's that, everybody's, that's everybody's out yes, when it comes yeah. to a shitty contract customer. The first thing is like, well, actually a one color print now is five fifty each. Yep. And they're just exactly. like, Oh, fuck that. <laughs> we used to have yeah. we used to have two we used to have two contract pricing sheets. I could get to people. One was just the standard, and then the other was preferred. And so it's exactly that. You know, the standard was was like, man, there there's this one that's just it never really works out right. You know, the word the POs are wrong, or the shirts are last minute or delayed, or who knows what. All these there's very problematic, right? And that's yep. one one set of pricing. And then there's the preferred, and then eventually it kind of works itself out. Yeah. And we, you know, I had this like, uh, I know vision of grandeur that like, okay, cool. Like we're going to work our way up and like, we're going to become this really big shop and we're gonna have a ton of contract customers. And so we could get to those like 
top 10, you know, promotional product distributors and we're going to become like one of their printers. Um, and I started getting in with them and I realized that they could be just as like terrible as a person who like sends us five jobs a year. And I was just like, all right, we got to rethink this. Like we got to kind of like have, um, you know, another way of like printing t-shirts, which it, it, it serves you well. Like, I mean, that if that's a piece of advice, I'd say it's like having the most diverse customer base as possible um, while not like compromising the integrity of the service. You know, Good piece of advice, great piece this, of advice yeah. as far as diverse yeah. customer base that saved our butts in COVID. Yeah, yeah so, same here. Advice. And yeah, that's, the, that's the thing that scares me the most about contract stuff is like you said with that guy near you who had a hundred employees custom ink pulled out and he's like, well, more shutting down. Yeah. Like there's all these shops that have, you know, like 30 autos and they're doing stuff for Nike. And then Nike's just like, I don't like what you did or what you said. We're going to send our business over here. And they're like, cool. Now I got to fire you know, <laughs> 200 people. Yep. Like, yeah. That's and terrible. That's terrifying. Like I wouldn't want to do that. I feel like I would ha- I would have a stroke if I was just like, oh, cool. I have to go tell 200 people to like go home. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about Awful. it. Yeah. yeah. Well, Kevin, I remember hanging out with you in Long Beach for, it seemed like a couple hours. I don't know, Dylan, did you get a chance to meet him this year in Long Beach? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. I think I saw him from a distance and I was just like this and then just kept walking. (laughs) (laughs) So that was you. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Just get, yeah. You throw rocks at the back of your head. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If it happens next year, which apparently they, they've rescheduled it for April. And if it happens, then we definitely have to meet up again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, I was, it's such a bummer. That's like one of my favorite times is, uh, is kind of like getting together with like, you know, different screen printing shops because nobody really gets it like us. Um, so it's just like fun just to like get to, uh, you know, get to meet like guys like you, you know, like that, like we're all kind of cut from a similar cloth, you know, that, um, you know, it's like we get to have a friendship on a level that it's like, we know what each other is dealing with, you know? So I, I've really, that's one part of like the, uh, our screen printing journey is just like the friends and the people I've gotten to meet along the way um, that, uh, definitely like make it a little bit easier, you know, like even just like messaging, you know, back and forth, like, Oh, what are you guys doing with this? You know? And just like kind of getting like a gauge of like what people like, it's like, all right, we're not crazy. We're not like going through anything <laughs> weird. It's like these people have already, already done it. So well, yeah, thanks, it's definitely man. a bummer to not have that, uh, not have that like face-to-face interaction like uh, this coming year, but it's like one of my favorite, one of my favorite memes, you know, like the, the one from Narcos or whatever, where he's like sitting on the, the like swing outside. And it says like, like, uh, nobody at the kid's birthday party wanted to talk about screen printing. And it's <laughs> yeah. just like him in the yard, like by himself. And it's just like, that's how I feel yep. like every, everything that I do in my own life or around or parties, like I'm always that guy in the corner, like nobody here wants to talk about screens or ink or (laughs) (laughs) and then you go to something like long beach and it's like everybody wants to talk about screen printing and it's like yeah it's funny because every time i go to those things i usually take a good portion of my staff because they like to you know meet people and do other things and like some of them are there for like the trip like obviously they just want to fuck around in long beach they don't want to talk about screen printing and it's like two of my guys that you know are like my best friends they're there obviously to like party and like i'll stand on a street corner and talk to other printers for like five hours about something and they're just like i'll turn around and they're gone and they're like you were just talking about printing like i don't want to hear i'm at work (laughs) all day talking to you about it i don't want to fucking talk about it here 
So it's just funny, like how the us owners and stuff just want to talk about it all the time. Cause it's like our people, you know what I mean? It's like, Oh, totally. Well, and also, um, also like, I, you know, sure it was the same with you guys, but I love screen printing. I think it's like yeah. super cool. Like, I think it's like a, uh, you know, like all these posters, like almost all the posters in our office are all screen printed. You know, it's just like, mm-hmm. I think it's Insane. such a cool, um, it's a cool, it's like the, it's a really cool medium because you don't have to be an artist. Um, <laughs> exactly what I was like just you, say. you could produce art, you know, like you, like there's an art form to us producing other people's art, you know? It's so like, it's like, it's like secondhand art. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? So it's like, I'm yeah. not like, I'm not a person I can't draw very good. Um, but I love like seeing like when we print a different technique or we do something like that turns out really cool. I'm like, wow, that's awesome that we were able to do that. You know? So mm-hmm. when getting together with like, you know, different shops and just seeing like what people are doing. I'm like, damn, that's like, that's awesome. Like we got to try that when we get back or something like that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, it was great talking to you, man. And hope that we can hang yeah. out in Long Beach next year. Uh, before we go though, got to ask you what's for dinner. Oh, geez. Um, I think I might be doing some, maybe some barbecue. Maybe pick up some barbecue. Oh, on nice. my Do they have good barbecue there? Yeah, there's some pretty good barbecue. Yeah. We have, uh, we have quite a bit of people who um, are at, uh, like competition barbecue people um that they're based here so yeah not anything nice. like not st louis or anything like that but you know. <laughs> yeah so. texas yep exactly cool yeah, yeah but yep. thanks for having me guys i really appreciate it and it's been been really awesome yeah dude yep. we'll, we'll see you around awesome thanks All guys right. see you man yeah And you didn't care what I had, what I'm going to fucking have for dinner. What are you going to have for dinner? I am going to go home and make steaks in a cast iron skillet. Well, it sounds, that was, a, I mean, the people wanted to know that. I mean, that's a really good, that's a you badass thing me. to do. I was getting ready to, but you said, okay, man, see ya. <laughs> well, I'm going to fucking, I'm gonna have with burritos. the power of editing. What are you having? Burritos.